Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome into this week's FizzCast. As always, Ian Unsworth and John Eads here to preview Syracuse's upcoming games this week. Also, we're going to talk a little football. The schedule came out last week. Also, a couple Orange players are making moves in the offseason. Remember, check out our website, orangefizz.net. You can find stuff about the football offseason moves, previews of the upcoming basketball games, as well as reactionary articles, anything you want. The mailbag's there, too. Remember, if you have a question about Syracuse Hoops, drop it at the Twitter, at Orange Fizz, and I'll get to it this Wednesday. I'm responding in article form to every single tweet you guys throw at me. But, John, let's talk some football. I know this is definitely your thing. Uh, Syracuse football schedule came out last week, 12-game slate, eight consecutive conference games to end the year. How are you feeling about the schedule, uh, and what, what do you think is the most important game? Well, it's certainly a schedule, Ian, and yes, I'm very excited to be back talking football. Obviously, the talk of Syracuse right now is basketball like every year in January, but what I'm really excited about is to see some non-conference games again this year. I know around college football, the ACC got to play a couple, but a lot of teams just did a straight conference schedule, 9 to 10 games. I'm hoping it's back to normal this year and we can get on with it, but I wrote an article uh, on the site with the three most interesting and perhaps most important games on this year's slate. And if I had to pick one of those three, Ian, let's see. It probably would have to be that Rutgers game on September 11th, 9-11, because that's the game that's going to set the tone for your season. You're coming off what should be a win against Iowa. Don't sleep on Ohio. I said Iowa. Don't sleep on Ohio out of the MAC. Uh, That's a road game for the Cuse as well. But that game against Rutgers will set the tone this year for the season. They're going to play Albany next, and I think it's really going to have some big implications on the recruiting trail in the Northeast. Yeah, you can't go into that game against uh, Albany, which which should be an easy win. You can't go into that game 0-2 because it's just like that Georgia Tech game last year. You get your one win, but then you have a Liberty program coming in on a Friday night. That that could be scary because Malik Willis is coming back, and then who knows what's going to happen in the conference. Is Florida State going to return to its former glory? Is Virginia Tech going to run the ball all over Syracuse? Is BC going to look as good as they did last year with Phil Jerkovic coming back? And then at the end of the schedule, Louisville, could they return to offensive dominance? Is Pitt good with Kenny Pickett? There are so many questions in the in the ACC that I think we have to focus on the non-conference right now because as you said that's the barometer that's the measuring stick for Syracuse and again we're still in January we don't know who's transferring where who's getting transfers from where we don't know who's leaving who's going to have some issues with rules and whatnot so it's so early I know we did our super just way too early record predictions I said two and ten because, Ian, I just don't really see the wins right now. I still don't know who's coming back from opt-outs last year. I'm talking about Jarvion Howard, Abdul Adams. We're still waiting on some you know, uh, guys to commit to this year's class, some guys in the transfer portal, a guy at Texas I'm hearing about we're going after. Uh, we'll have more on that in the future, I'm sure. But it's just way too early. Uh, definitely excited, though, to kind of take a look at this and uh, start thinking about the fall, though. You mentioned guys moving around. McKinley Williams 
has committed to come back to Syracuse for the 2021 season. Aaron Hackett is transferring to TCU. Wish him the best of luck. And uh, some guys declared for the draft. Obviously, everybody knows Andre Sisco, Trill Williams, Ify Melifonlu are all gone. And Ify had a heck of a senior bowl. He was the highest graded defender by Pro Football Focus at a 75. I know that doesn't seem very high if you're going all the way up to 100, but 75 is pretty good because, you know, these are a bunch of dudes they just throw together on the football field. They've never played defense before together, and if he locked down, he he put some good reps in with Des uh, Fitzpatrick of Louisville. They both, you know, won and lost their fair share of battles. He also had two pass breakups, and I think he should be shooting up draft boards, maybe third round, second round pick, definitely a day two guy. He definitely made some money participating not only in the practice, but the game. Because he, there were some guys, some better defenders perhaps, some better corners who didn't play in the game but participated in the practice. But the fact that if he decided to do both, I think was a just a great decision for him and his stock in this upcoming draft. And I certainly think he played his way into a draft pick because I'm sure he wasn't really on many boards going into this thing. Probably, uh, you know, maybe a late round pick or maybe an undrafted free agent type of thing. But I think he certainly earned his way potentially into a fourth or fifth, maybe a day three type of type of uh, pick like that. But he played very well. We were watching him. We saw the film. Uh, just very good. He played man-to-man primarily, and he played some very good competition uh, in Des Fitzpatrick, like you said. And uh, be excited to see what he uh, does in April, where he ends up. I think, I mean, he's a 6'3 corner. That's got to have some value and at the next level. But let's transition to basketball. Hey, eight games left in the regular season. It seems like it's gone so quickly. And with the two COVID pauses, hey, we're going to take what we can get. So, Wednesday, 7 p.m., Syracuse takes on Louisville in the Carrier Dome. That's going to be on ACC Network and this is a game where it really could go either way. The FPI, which, as you know, we do not like, gives Syracuse a 70% chance to win. But it's not going to be like last year, where Louisville absolutely blows Syracuse out of the water. This, I think, has the potential to be a neck-and-neck, down-the-stretch, tight game, like a 65-64 kind of contest going into the final minutes. Yeah, I'm really excited for this one, Ian. I think this is definitely a winnable game for the Orange, and Frankly, it was winnable last year. I know last year uh, the Orange lost 90-66, to but if you look at the first half, it was 41-34 to going into the break, and Louisville just came out with uh, just some bad intentions in the second half and ran away with it this year. Uh, but I think Syracuse will keep it a, a lot closer. I think that's just because the Cardinals lost a lot of production from last year's team, and this year, Ian, it seems like one guy kind of runs the show, and we'll get into that. But I just want to look at some common opponents real quick. So you got Miami, Pitt, BC, and Virginia Tech. And Miami actually beat Louisville. Syracuse won, of course. And another one that's kind of a differential kind of deal is Pitt beat Syracuse, but uh, Louisville beat Pitt. Pitt did beat Syracuse twice. And Louisville did beat Pitt. Very close game in that one. Uh, You mentioned Louisville losing production, and they lost a lot. Jordan Wara is now a Milwaukee Buck in the NBA. Ryan McMahon graduated. Um, Who else? Lamar Fresh Kimball exhausted his eligibility as well. He was a transfer point guard from St. Joe's. He really ran that team last year. And then Malik Williams, Louisville's, he was supposed to be their guy inside, fractured his foot, and he's out for a long time, probably the majority of the season. He will not be playing on Wednesday. And that that's a big loss for Louisville because down low they needed some sort of anchor. They're kind of getting it, and we'll get to that later. That seems like we always say that when we preview the team, but they're, they're getting that anchor down low. And 
the team might not be might not be equipped with all the offensive firepower, but where Louisville gets it done is on the defensive end. They're 36th in the nation in defensive efficiency, giving up 93 points per 100 possessions, and they're one of the best defensive teams in the ACC. It's kind of like a poor man's uh, Virginia. You know, I was about to say Louisville. It's kind of like a poor man's Virginia. You know, they, they play very stout defensively. They're not a very fast-paced team. They're 303rd in tempo, so they only get about 66 possessions per game. And they do just enough on the offensive side of the ball to win ball games. And like you said, they're, they're scoring about 69 per game and allowing in the, somewhere in the neighborhood of 65. So Syracuse really going to have to find ways to score, and it's going to be difficult because Louisville is one of the better defensive teams in the country. Yeah, the thing, I guess, that differentiates Louisville from Virginia is that Virginia actually has offense this year. Like, Virginia is scoring 75-80 a game, no problem. Louisville's playing their games in the 50s and 60s. But it doesn't matter when you're only allowing opponents to shoot 31% from the field. In terms of where Syracuse goes in this game, it would be huge to have Barama Sidibe back. And because, as we mentioned, Louisville doesn't have their big inside presence— it's, it's going to be paramount that Marek Dolajai doesn't have to play the whole game. They need some support, whether it's Sidibe, whether it's Jesse Edwards. Someone has to protect the rim because Louisville is going to get the, the majority of their points at the cup. They're not a consistent three-point shooting team. And if Syracuse could kind of win that rebound battle inside, it shouldn't be that hard because, like you said, no Malik Williams. They don't really have the size advantage on paper down there. So between Dolajai and Garrier, Syracuse needs to win that battle. And then if you even throw in Sidibe, that's a huge boost for the Orange. And I said before that Syracuse is going to have to find ways to score against this Louisville defense. But let's not forget, this is a very good Syracuse offensive team. Number 30 in the country in offensive efficiency. They're scoring 112 points per 100 possessions. And Coach B has said this, Coach Beheim has said this over and over again. It, it's been the defense. It's been the problem this year. It hasn't been the offense. It's been the defense and the system that he's had in place for years and years just isn't working with the personnel he has. And, well, now that I say that, I'm kind of wondering, what do you do with Kadari Richmond? Here's the thing. I've been saying it over and over again. You don't start Kadari Richmond because Joe Girard's shooting is enough to keep him in the starting lineup. And I know a lot of people in Central New York are going to disagree with me on this. And it's okay. It's completely warranted at this point after what Kadari did in the last game. You cannot take Joe Girard out of the starting lineup because the threat of him hitting six threes in a game is there. And he did it last year over and over and over again. And the sophomore slump is real. We've all seen it. But it's a possibility. The possibility of Joe Girard going in full inferno one game is enough to leave him out there for at least the first five minutes of the game. And we know. We know within the first five minutes whether Joe Girard has it or he doesn't. It's those first three, four shots. And you see it all the time, right? He clanks the first two. He you know, puts up an early one in transition, which, which is kind of suspect. And then it's it, everybody knows it's time to get the quick hook out and put Kadari in the game. I don't think Jimmy B knows, but I think everybody watching on their TVs knows that it's time for Joe Girard to leave. So if Bayheim really gets the quick hook out, and if Girard isn't playing well in the first five minutes, you yank him. Sure. You yank him because 
five minutes of a 40-minute basketball game should not be enough to win or lose you the game unless it's the last five minutes and it's super close. That's when you need Kadari out there because he gets to the basket. He can draw fouls, which Syracuse is not doing enough of. Beheim said it in his press conference. They barely get to the line, and he plays really good defense, which you need all three of those things in crunch time. My next question, and we're going to get into Louisville's players to watch here, but I just thought I just had a thought. What do you think about a lineup in which Gerard's in the game, Bayheim's in the game, and Kadari's in the game, and you've got Bayheim sliding to the three, Gerard at two, and Kadari at the at the one? We've never seen Buddy play the three on defense, and I'd certainly be in favor of that offensively because Gerard and Bayheim shooting wise are at their best when they're catching and shooting. We've seen it all the time. Bayheim. He doesn't do much when he has the ball, honestly. Like, when Bayheim gets in the paint and then tries to post up, I, I'm just like, oh gosh, I know where this is going. I mean, what's that guy? Manny Bates knew where it was going, too. He saw Bayheim turn his back to the basket and then just absolutely pack the crap out of him. You know when a guy like Bayheim turns his back to the basket, he's going to shoot. It's it's a one-track mind. You need Gerard and Bayheim catching the ball and shooting, coming off of screens, not trying to really create their own offense, because that's not what they're best at. They're best at putting the ball in the bucket off of catch-and-shoot situations. And they both have their spots, right? Bayheim likes the wings. Gerard likes it up top. Uh, you just got to let them get there. And maybe the off-ball screens are the way to do it. Right, and if Kadari's running the point, it's not Gerard having to dribble and create for himself and find Buddy open. It's Kadari finding Gerard or Bayheim open for shots. But that's uh, that's something you guys can let us know about on Twitter. Maybe... Um... Yeah, I could get into more of that on the mailbag if someone asks. But let's get into uh, the Louisville players to watch here before we go on and on with this. And the first guy, Carleek Jones, who Ian calls basically Louisville's team. And we were watching their game against Georgia Tech yesterday. And one of the analysts said this guy is perhaps one of the best in the ACC. I would say he's definitely one of the top five players in the ACC. Transfer from Radford. He, he's running their team. He is their team. He averages 70, 17 and a half points a game on 41% from the field, six rebounds, five assists, one and a half steals. Fourth in the ACC in points, third in the ACC in assists, and first in the ACC with 37.4 minutes per game. John, you said that Beheim would love this dude because he never comes out of the game, and I think you're right. Carleek Jones is Louisville's whole offense. When it's late in the shot clock, the ball goes to Jones. When it's early in the shot clock, the ball goes to Jones. He's creating off the dribble. He's pulling up. He can do almost anything on the offensive end, but he's, he's, not, he's, he's not Stephen Curry. He's not Damian Lillard. He's not going to make all of his shots, and I've never seen Carly Jones get insanely hot and never miss. He's, he's going to score, and he's going to miss some too. So it's going to be on Syracuse to play decent enough defense at the top of the zone to get Jones out of rhythm. I've never really seen him in rhythm, but he gets his buckets. So Syracuse has to figure out a way to prevent him from penetrating and getting to the rim because Louisville struggles to shoot from outside. That should be Syracuse's game plan. Keep the Cardinals out of the paint. Yeah, I was. I think we've talked about this. I don't really understand the game planning process for Syracuse because I feel like when they actually try and do game plan like they did against NC State where they moved the the wings out, it was like a 4-1 zone. It just did not work. So I would think your strategy for this game, since Louisville can't shoot the three, is to sag in and let them take those shots from outside. They kind of did it against Miami because they don't shoot the three, the three ball well, and it worked. That's how they mitigated Isaiah Wong. Well, Miami shot the three ball well last night. Hey, 
beat Duke. I mean, Coach K might need to think about opting out for, what, the third, fourth time this year? Nothing nothing like a little case slander. Let's move on, though. Second player to watch for Louisville, David Johnson. We saw him last year as a freshman, and he's been forced into a bigger role after last year's departures. Johnson's averaging 13 points a game, 43% from the field, and 43% from three. He's their only three-point shooter, averaging above 40%, and honestly, he doesn't take that many. I think he set a career high, actually, against GT. He made like four in the first half, but he's not hes not a consistent three-point shooter. He had a career-high six threes. There we go. But yeah, he's not a consistent three-point shooter. He's a bigger guard, though, so he works hard on the boards, gets nice three-and-a-half assists per game. The thing about Johnson, though, is he's turnover-prone, and when you watch Louisville play, some of his turnovers are bad. It's like throwing the pass off of a pick and roll where the big man isn't looking. Or you just lose your dribble in transition. It's stuff like that. It's sloppy stuff that is preventing David Johnson from really being a a potential lottery pick in the NBA, if we're being completely honest. Because he can get to the bucket. He's bigger than Syracuse's guards. He's stronger than Syracuse's guards. He He should not have a problem driving to the basket. But it's just stuff like that that, you know, not only prevents Johnson from being an NBA prospect, but forces your team out of rhythm. And that bodes well for Syracuse, the turnover aspect of that, because the Orange are forcing, I think, the most steals in the conference on a nightly basis, and Kadari Richmond uh, certainly one of the biggest culprits of that. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Syracuse forcing turnovers with the zone defense, clogging up passing lanes and whatnot. Moving on, though, let's talk about some of the big guys. We got Jalen Withers down there, a 6'8 freshman. He's the only big on Louisville's team that you say knows how to play. And from what I'm understanding, he's certainly no uh, Malik Williams. No, he's not. He's really just scratching the surface. He gets a lot of his baskets on being in the right place at the right time. He catches lobs. He works off the pick and roll. He gets second chance putbacks. He's not very skilled in any sense of the word, but he's really talented, and he knows where to be, and I guess that's a skill. Hey, he's he's good at it. Uh, Jalen Withers, he's good on offense, but he's not much on defense. He grabs seven and a half rebounds per game, but Louisville has no rim protection. I think that's the big thing to point out with this Cardinals team on defense. They're really good on the perimeter. Jones and Johnson play great defense, and they've got some nice stoppers on the wing too, but they have no rim protection because Withers is 6'8" like you said. So if Garrier can get to the cup, if Dolajai can work his little spin moves off the elbow, Syracuse can dominate this game inside, and that's not even mentioning the prospect. Prospects can work in, get some second-chance buckets. Sidibe gets back, you know, get back to his old offensive rhythm. That's where Syracuse should dominate on the offensive end. So look for the Orange to win the rebounding battle as well, and Quincy Garrier to be a big benefactor of that? Well, the Louisville's a really good rebounding team. The guards rebound well. Uh, but Syracuse against NC State, that's the first game of the year where Syracuse won without winning the rebounding battle. So, hey, if the Orange can make it work against the Wolfpack, maybe it can work against the Cardinals too. Yeah, we'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, another forward, they have Samuel Williamson. Ian calls this guy the X Factor. Apparently, uh, he's been moved off the bench for the last couple of games, and he's played really well. This guy is actually fourth in the team in points per game now. So what have you seen from him? He's one of those dudes, you watch him play like in an open gym, and you're, you're stunned. Because he has all the skills. He has all the tools. 6'8", but moves like he's 6'3". Um, super lanky. Great on defense. And developing the jumper. But when it hits, it's hitting. Against Georgia Tech, 20 points, 18 rebounds. Like, that's that's an, that's an NBA stat line that you're probably going to see from a guy like Andre Drummond or Mitchell Robinson if he's having, like, a crazy game. And this, dude, this dude's not a center. He's a forward. 
So it shows you how well Louisville rebounds as a team, but also like if Williamson gets going, he could be the matchup problem for the Orange because he's quicker than Garrier, he's bigger than Griffin, and he's going to spend a lot of his time on the wing to baseline area. If he's cutting, cutting behind the defense, that could be a big issue. And Syracuse has struggled to defend on the baseline and on the wing down there, especially recently. So we'll see what Coach Beheim has uh, for both Samuelson and the other bigs on Louisville defensively. But let's, uh, let's get into our predictions here. What are you thinking? This is going to be a one-possession game. I think, down the stretch. However, Syracuse has to shoot the ball well sometime, right? We're waiting for it. We're waiting, waiting, waiting. I think this is the game where Syracuse pops out of a shooting slump and absolutely goes crazy from behind the arc. Um, I just don't I don't really know why. I just have that feeling because I don't think it's going to be against Clemson. So I'm predicting Syracuse is going to make at least 10 threes uh, this game on Wednesday. And I say SU wins probably... I would say 68 to 60. Yeah, I agree with your philosophy. I think uh, Buddy Beheim had a huge bounce back game against NC State. He shot 15 of 53 uh, ever since that first pick game, and he was 4 of 8 the other night. So I think he continues. He picks up where he left off, and Syracuse does just enough offensively. I think Joe Girard has a bounce back game for like the eighth time this season. I think Kadari gets some minutes off the bench and does some good things, and you're Syracuse is going to have to win the game by shooting the ball well. So uh, I think they will do that. And I have Syracuse winning, uh, let's go like 71-66, something like that. I think Kadari changes that defense and he locks up Carly Jones. I mean, obviously they're not playing man, but I think he does enough to prevent Jones from really getting into any sort of rhythm. Let's move on to Clemson. Yeah, let's do it. All right, Clemson goes uh, actually hosts Syracuse on Saturday, 2 p.m. at Little John, ACC Network game. FPI's given Syracuse a 55% chance to win. Uh, yeah, I'd say that's generous. And, of course, the last meeting at Clemson was a 71-70 to loss, an absolute heartbreaker where Clemson just made a massive run in the second half, and Syracuse could not stop them in the middle of that zone. Uh, John, actually, we forgot our Fizz factoid <laughs> for Louisville. Uh, let's, we'll hit that real quick. The Louisville Fizz factoid is that uh, Chris Mack used to coach at Wake Forest, and he coached Chris Paul who is absolutely on a tear right now, scored 36, I think, last night against the Mavs. Uh, give him the fizz factoid for Clemson, though. Yeah, so I was just kind of scouting through Clemson's like basketball history, and I saw this, and this is pretty cool. So a guy named John Irwin scored 58 points in a basketball game back in 1912 against a team called the Butler Guards. Maybe that's like the actual Butler school uh in a 78 to 6 win that was in 1912 and that still stands as a Clemson single game scoring record and I think that's the only I think that's the oldest school record like that uh to not be broken in over a century so that that's pretty crazy John I think Clemson might struggle to score 58 points as a team as a team this Clemson offense is bad they are really, really bad. That is the first thing and the last thing you have to talk about with the Clemson Tiger team. They had two COVID pauses, right? And that's really tough. We've seen Syracuse struggle with it. And Clemson came out after their second COVID pause and absolutely got waxed multiple times. Florida State put up absolute crazy numbers. The Virginia game, Virginia came out and was leading Clemson, I think, 30-5, to 20-5, something ridiculous like that that should not be happening in conference play. They gave up 85 to Virginia, 83 to Georgia Tech, 80 to Florida State. BC game got postponed. They beat Louisville, uh, which honestly, after talking to Louisville, I don't think we either of us are really that surprised about that because both teams kind of play a similar way, very slow, very methodical, 
And then they gave up 79 to Duke, who just lost to Miami. So Clemson, Clemson's pace really sucks the life out of them. Maybe not their opponents, but definitely the Tigers. And they struggle so much offensively, they have to rely on their defense to get stops. Right, and going back to that kind of bad stretch they had, this is a team that's been in and out of the rankings twice and was as high as 12 before those four straight losses you talked about. And I was wondering how the heck that happened, but I guess COVID was the reason. But getting back to the Clemson as a team, yes, they're not very skilled offensively, but if you could believe it, Ian, they're 20th in offensive efficiency. They get 91.4 points per 100 possessions. What that means is they don't get that many possessions. They play slow, but when they do have them, they're very efficient and methodical. Yeah, well, John, let's 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 pump the brakes on that because they take a lot less shots, okay. right? So if you take less shots, you're going to make more. So that, I think that really explains that because watching the Clemson offense, there's nothing about it that's efficient. They struggle to move the ball. They do a lot of standing around. And there's a lot of like just kicking at the three-point shooters and crossing your fingers. And it's, it's really rough to watch Clemson play basketball sometimes. This is one game. I don't, we don't say this a lot, but this is one game where the 2-3 zone has an advantage because Clemson as a team is absolutely terrible from behind the arc they do have four players that shoot 32 percent from three but you know i think like you were saying it's kind of just a cross your fingers type of thing and against the zone it's a lot different than man to man you have less time to you know catch it in the shooting pocket and get your shot off it's different release points so we'll see how much of a factor that is and this team also is nothing like syracuse you know syracuse has five six guys that play 30 minutes, if not more. Clemson has 11 players averaging at least 10 minutes of play, and no one even touches that 30-point mark. Yeah, I mean, Amir Sims is the only guy in double figures for Clemson. He's averaging 19 points a game, but second, I believe, is Nick Honor, who's got like eight. So it's, it's Sims, and then it's everybody else. And if Syracuse can stop Sims, he's probably going to be in the high post. I would not be surprised after what we saw from Virginia after what we saw from Jericho Helms of North Carolina State, you got to put Amir Sims in the high post if you're Clemson because that's your chance to win. And then you cross your gosh darn fingers that your three-pointers are making it. And their top two shooters, just uh, some names to keep an eye out for. Nick Honor, who averages 8.8 per game. He's a shooter, 37.5 from three-point. And it's not like he's only shot like 10 threes this year. I tried to make sure that these were consistent shooters. And Clyde Trapp, 35.5% three-point shooter, 7.2 points per game. But again, there's a huge drop-off between Sims and everybody else. It kind of goes like 12 points per game, 8, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4. It's just, it's the weirdest thing, this team. And Sims is the guy that's going to be on Quincy Garrier. So... If I'm Jim Beheim, I'm throwing the ball into Garrier early and often because if Sims is out of the game, you're relying on some really unproven dudes like freshman center P.J. Hall, who is really, really inexperienced, to come in and really produce. Or Hunter Tyson, who's made some big threes, but he barely he, he's only played 10 games, only plays 14 minutes a game. Like, Clemson's, Clemson is not proven. They returned a lot of production, but none of these dudes that returned were proven. Who was the guy? You had the name of the guy last year that went off on Cuse. Tevin Mack. Yeah, they do not have a Tevin Mack this year. So Clemson relies on the defense, as we've said many times, and they rely on Amir Sims. If you shut those, if you shut those two things down, if Syracuse gets out transition, beats the Clemson defense down the floor, this game should be money should be a 15-point win. So like last year, this is definitely a game Syracuse should win. Uh, 
before we do our predictions, I do want to say that Syracuse is 1-3 on the road in this series. So, uh, little John Coliseum, cool name, by the way, probably one of the toughest places to play in college basketball. I read that uh, online, and uh, this would be a good win. But we've only said this a few times. We said it for the Miami game, and it worked out spectacularly. This is a game Syracuse should win, and they have to win, right? They, they absolutely have to win this game because quad one wins are at an absolute premium in the ACC. And quad one is you are 30 or 30 or higher in the net rankings, which means you are pretty much a guaranteed NCAA tournament team. Clemson is not a quad one team. They are probably quad two at this point. But they it's still a tough contest on the road. Right, and that that is where the value in this game comes in. And honestly, the value for Syracuse is you need every win you can get. If you go six and three in in these last, well, excuse me, five and three now because they already got that win against NC State. If if you go five and three, there's a there's a chance, there's a chance, and we don't know what's going to happen with conference tournament time. But if if it's anything like it was last year, Syracuse could turn it up once Greensboro comes along. So you need these wins in conference, especially against teams that are struggling on the offensive end, because where Syracuse struggles is the defensive end. You got to take advantage of that sort of stuff. And I said this before, we actually don't really know how good this team is on both sides of the floor, because if uh, Barama Sidibe is that big of a deal, he's been out the entire season. So he could come in and make Syracuse a really good team or an even worse team on both sides of the ball. We don't know. I'm very curious to find out. Uh, we did say they'll beat Louisville, so that's a quad one win, and I think Syracuse will sweep this week and get a W against Clemson on the road. I'm, I'm with you. If Syracuse doesn't beat Clemson, it's going to be because they're missing absolutely everything. Yeah. If Syracuse loses, this game will be in the 50s, and it will be one of the worst games of basketball I've seen in 2020-2021. If Syracuse wins, which I would expect them to do, they're going to absolutely dust the Tigers in transition. Richmond's going to come back in, get more stops, and is going to force Sims into early foul trouble. If Syracuse wins, which I think they do, it should be 70-55, a 75-60. They should win by a comfortable margin. So, you know, I was thinking the same thing. It could be like a we were watching that Texas Tech-Oklahoma game last night. It was like 40-40 to 40 with five minutes left. So it could be something like that where it's like in the 40s, down to the wire, or I think it's that, or Syracuse just blows the doors off Clemson. It really just depends on how well are they shooting, and are they – I really, that's the only thing. I don't – I really can't think of another thing. Is Syracuse shooting the ball well? That's going to be the question, I think, in both of these games. I'd love to see Syracuse shoot the ball well, at least run away with one of these and sort of, I guess, quell the worries of the fan base. And everybody nationally, Joe Lenardi tweeted out last night that, oh, Syracuse is just being inconsistent again. Let's, let's change that narrative, Jimmy B. I think these, this is the week where Syracuse makes a statement and you know climbs their way towards the upper echelon of the ACC. But they're in a good spot also. Before we close it out here, Syracuse is 47th in Ken Palm, and you have to be one of the, what, top 68 teams to get in. Now, Ken Palm isn't the end-all, be-all, but right now, they're in. But they got to continue to play well and get these wins. Like yeah, Ian yeah. said, 5-3 and three to close the season. That's that's what you want. There's also the mid-majors, all that sort of stuff, conference tournament winners, but that's, that's a very long way away. Right now, we're focused on this week. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's FizzCast. For John Eads, I've been Ian Unsworth. Remember, check out our site, orangefizz.net, and Twitter at orangefizz for all the Syracuse recruiting news, updates, articles, you name it, we got it. Once again, thanks for listening, and go Orange.